Hello and welcome to the Instructional Insider. I'm your host, Dr. Morgan Pittman, Instructional Designer and Curriculum Specialist at the North Carolina School of Science and Math at the beautiful Morganton campus. This week looks amazing compared to last week. Last week was rainy and gloomy and I know I kind of predicted or forecasted that there might be some snow and it did not happen. It came down as a really wet cold rain, unfortunately. Um, but this week has been a different story as it has been beautiful. The sun's been shining. It's been in the mid 60s, which has been kind of nice and refreshing. Um, I know I've enjoyed it. As far as being in the classes this week, I got to experience some of the newer classes that I haven't got to go into yet because, you know, they're brand new for the spring semester. Um, one of the first classes that I got to visit was our um, engineering class, which is totally new for spring. And the students were in there, they were using a digital multimeter, which allows them to um, measure volts and amps and all of those different kinds of things that you know you may use in electronics um, or electrical industry um in and that was pretty neat because i had seen those being used in one of the j terms before so it was kind of neat to get to see them use that and i can't wait to see where that heads and and what all develops in the engineering course as the semester um, moves along um, I also then went into several American Studies classes. Um, we have several American Study 2 classes going on this semester, and I got to go see and uh, sit in several of them. Um, in all of them, I got to see a wide variety of um, different types of instructional student discourse, which student discourse is really just academic talking in an academic environment. But there's lots of different protocols that can be used. Um, I saw turn and talk where you would turn and talk to the person beside of you, but I also saw digital um, types of student discourse where they were using Jamboard and Padlet and Nearpod to allow an opportunity for student discourse. One really good thing about using a digital type of student discourse is if you have those students that don't necessarily want to speak verbally, a lot of times they will put their thoughts and ideas um, digitally, which is great because it gives everyone a voice while they're in the classroom. So I really enjoyed getting to see those technologies being implemented to allow an opportunity for student discourse. Um, I also got to go into um, another new course, which is our uh, research in math. And those students were really just walking through and discussing uh, different potential problems that they would like to use for the reach for the research um, for this semester and they really didn't decide by the time I left the class they were still uh, determining what would be the best fit for them they were looking at you know what kind of learning style do you have and what type of uh, wh which one do they want and which one they would enjoy because they're going to be spending quite a bit of time on it which is pretty much the exact same thing I was told when I selected my topic for my dissertation mm. 10, 11, 12, 13 years ago. It was a long time ago. Um, but when you're going to spend a long time on a topic, you want to make sure it's something you're passionate about. Um, I also got to go into our ceramics class and the students in there were 100% authentically engaged and they were creating and designing a table setting. So they were making um, a cup or a mug and bowls 
and a variety of different things that would go with their um, table set that they were making. And I can't wait to see what those final products look like. Um, I also got to go into Introduction to Robotics, which is not a new course. We did have that, but it's a fresh group of students. So they're learning the basics. So I kind of feel like I know what they're doing because I've been in this class before. So I can kind of um, understand what's happening and connect a, a lot more. But they were learning to program their, um, their VEX robots um, to get them to uh, do specific tasks at hand. Um, in that I always enjoy robotics class. Um, let's see, um, outside of that, um, I'm trying to think, and I think that is it as far as what I got to see this week. Um, it's, it's been a, a long week, even though it's only Thursday, but that's okay. Um, I still love every minute of it. But I do want to introduce our special guest with us today. So remember each week I'm bringing in uh, someone that is in the STEM field. And this one I wouldn't say is as much as in the STEM field as I would say in the STEAM field. And if you're not familiar with the difference, that adds an A into it, which adds the art component, which honestly, I think we do a phenomenal job at STEM and STEM because at our school we really value and appreciate um, the arts and the fine arts that we have. So today with us I have a graphic artist. Her name is Ani Presley and I hope you enjoy our conversation of how she integrates science, technology, engineering, art, and mathematics in her job. All right, today with me, I have Ani Presley. Ani, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, can you tell us what your job title is and where you work? So, I am the owner and operator at Sterling Design Group. We are here in Nevo, North Carolina, and um, I'm a graphic designer by trade. Yeah, okay. So, graphic design. Can you tell us your backstory of how you got into graphic design? Because you and I go way back. We actually taught our first couple of years together teaching elementary school. So how did you go from being elementary teacher to graphic design? So this goes back to 11th grade and my parents were like, you're not going to be a starving artist. And art was my <laughs> life. Like my, that's my, that was my go-to, my jam back then. Right. And uh, I wanted to be a graphic designer and they were like, no, you're not going to do that. Like you're going to be like, everybody needs a school teacher. You need a great steady job. Just you're a wonderful kid. So, I went to college, I did that, I loved it. And I'm sitting there in a hockey, professional hockey game with my dad and he's like, look at those new jerseys that got designed, I love it. Look at all those banners going around the rink. And I'm like, you know, that is all graphic design. I could have done that, but at the time I was a teacher. Right. So um, after I had my first daughter, it, she's now 17, she is now a junior mm -hmm. in high school. And I, uh, I was, when I had my daughter, I was like, you know what, this is what I want to do. I don't want to te teach anymore. Right. I want to stay home. I want to work with her and I want to do what I love. So organically, it just came around that I started um, designing t-shirts and doing different designs and having other people make my products. Mm -hmm. And um, at the time, my husband was working on the road as a pipeliner. So we were making funny t-shirts and he, I was designing them, having somebody local sell or make them. Right. And then I would ship them up there and he would sell them. 
I remember that. And so I had, I did all this when I had like a young, tiny toddler. Right. And um, so then it kind of grew and grew and grew to the fact where I would, when I got some of these boxes from the local person making t-shirts, they left their receipts in there. And I was like, <laughs> are you kidding me? Like I could be making this much more money. So right. I set a goal and I said, okay, we're, I'm going to go out and I'm going to sell $3,000 worth of t-shirts and that profit, I'm going to go buy a screen print machine. I'm okay. going to teach myself how to do this. Right. And so I already taught myself all the computer um, design part of it just because right. I was sitting home being a mom and loving that part of art and technology. Mm -hmm. And um, and then it just kept growing. Like I just set these goals as I'm going to um, make this profit and invest in a machine, make this profit, okay. invest in this machine. And okay. so I just kept growing my business that way. And that's how I got where I'm at. And so it started with t-shirts, but it did not stop there. No, <laughs> not at all. And I still don't think I've stopped. <laughs> so what are all some of the different things? Like I've seen your finished product, but what are some of the different tools and I guess you could say products that you know yeah. how to do. So for finished product wise, we do a, we do um, apparel design, of course, which is screen printing, um, embroidery. We offer embroidery. Mm -hmm. um, we have uh, we do laser engraving. Mm -hmm. We have CNC routers and CNC plasma cutters. Um, so we do a lot of custom signage. We do a lot of vehicle wraps mm -hmm. and billboards and banners and signs. Um, right. 54 inch printers and huge laminators and right. all of the things and all of the machines to make everything. Um, we're kind of like a one-stop shop. So right. if you're starting a business and you have a lawn care business and you need t-shirts and hats for your employees, you need business cards. We can make those. You need your vehicle graphics. We need, you need signs in the yard. Right. Um, we can do all of that. Right. And one stop and we can design your logo all in one place. Gotcha. So, um, we've kind of already touched in on this, but the big thing is, is I'm looking for those connections of how do you use STEM, science, technology, engineering, and mathematics in your profession. We've kind of touched on it a little bit, but what are some things specifically outside of the art? Because obviously the art piece is there, but that doesn't just do it all by itself. You've no. got to integrate all these other factors. So I would say naturally in my heart is an artist right and i just have visions and what i really see myself as is a problem solver mm -hmm. so i have people come to me and say hey i have this new business i want to do and i need help i need help to set up the business or i need help to get my branding across right. or i need help so i listen to what they need okay and then i go ahead and i do 90 percent of my day is technology mm. so I might have a few rough sketches as I'm talking to the client, but really everything boils down to technology for me. Right. I am on a computer. I'm on my phone. I'm on an iPad. I am doing all of this stuff. And we use Corel Draw mm -hmm. as our main program. Um, it runs in vectors. Okay. So which are straight lines versus rastered images. Um, we use Corel and we use the vectors because all of our equipment and our, all of our machines run on these like kind of CAD right. um, straight lines, okay. which is very important for us. Um, another big, huge thing I use all day long is math. And I was horrible, <laughs> horrible, horrible at math as a kid. Like, I mean, kicking, screaming on the floor in eighth grade, crying, <laughs> hating math. Yeah. And uh, it's 
it's just something I had to learn to love and it ended up being a numbers game. Probably started loving it with the money. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, when you talked about the mathematical end of it with the financial end yeah. of running a business. Absolutely. Yeah. But I'm also seeing a lot of geometry, a lot of algebra, working with fractions and measurement, because if those things aren't precise, right. that's not going to end up financially a good position not for you all. or the client. It's a big loss and a big cut on your name and, and it's not good. So yes, math is in every single thing I do. Mm -hmm. Measurements to the T and like you said, angles and finding the missing solutions that we're needing. Um, we also do a lot of science. So in our printing, if we're talking about apparel, mm -hmm. we are using, um, if we're doing sublimation printing, right. so you, when you sublimation print on a shirt, you need polyester material. Right. So you need to know the components and how polyester is made, formed, handled, what temperatures, mm -hmm. um, you need to know what kind of inks, what solutions, mm -hmm. solvents, all of that go with it. And then to make the print and your color formulation, you also, when you go ahead and print it, you need to know you're printing on the right material, the right. right substrate. So when you go and do that, it's, it's a heat applied print. Right. So you have 400 degrees for 60 seconds. What pressure are you at? Right. So you need to know uh, pounds per square inch. You need to know about all of these things. And then you need to know about the um, the chemical bonds that are happening. Chemical chemistry is where my brain was going <laughs> yeah. through this whole conversation. So, so what happens in this um, sublimation printing process is you have the, the ink that's wet, right? Dries on the paper, right? It's dry. You put it in printed mirror, which is backwards. Okay. Flip it upside down on your polyester fabric, which is polyester is just plastic. Okay. So your t-shirts feel soft like a cotton t-shirt, right? But it's, it's really just plastic. Huh. Um, so you have it at 400 degrees and you've got it around 60 pounds per square inch pressure wise, and you're doing it for 60 seconds. So as you're pressing that, those ink um, droplets that were once water, mm -hmm. then dried, now form a gas bond and they melt into your polymer. It feels covers. different. The, the yeah. sublimation feels different it's than a screen print. You, once the printing process is complete, you cannot. You can't even feel it. No, you can't feel it because it's actually made the bond and changed chemically forever changed the um, the makeup of that material. Wow. So it took a gray t-shirt and then it changed just that little tiny spot right. to red and then next to it. So you can do a photographic image with unlimited colors. So I'm wondering historically, and I have no clue and I don't even know if you do because sublimation is fairly new it in is. comparison to the it screen is. print. If a chemist designed that, or was it someone, you know, just kind of playing around with things? And that's... I, I think playing around with things is how a lot of things get formed. Uh-huh. But I, I'm sure there had to be a lot of chemistry to nail this down because they're forever changing the ink formulations and the parameters, how you're pressing and what you do. And, and we can really manipulate a lot of things on how the look of things are by what we do a finish press. With. Right. So how we're finishing, how we're adjusting and manipulating time or pressure and all of these things, you know, we turn into our own little mini chemistry lab because we want to do some cool things and have our own innovative ideas. Right. And, um, yeah, so it, it, you know, that's sublimation. And then you've got, you know, in the same apparel, you could do it in, um, 
in screen printing, which is a plastisol ink, which is just plastic, but right. you can put that on cotton, but it just lays on top of the material. And then you need to also know your bonding time and temperatures. And so it's a lot I of have, I have not of thought about the chemistry part of it, but yeah. I was talking about one of our, with our chemistry instructor this morning about how much chemistry, and this is completely a squirrel moment here, how much chemistry goes into baking. Yes. Like just the simplest things Chemistry is really an underline of a lot of things we do. What's really, you know, I watch you on Facebook when you're wrapping these vehicles and we've got thousand dollar, a lot of thousand dollars <laughs> of vehicles. If the measurements on those are not perfect, have you ever had it where it was not perfect? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, have, <laughs> we have made some big multi-thousand dollar mistakes. Does it come off or? Yes, okay. it does. It comes off. It has adhesives, which is also a <laughs> Another chemistry. chemistry. Um, so special adhesives, special solvents to remove the adhesives. Okay. Um, but yeah, it, and it costs a lot of money if you miscalculate your sizes or your colors. Um, we've had people, you know, we just did a, a, a restoration project. There was um, somebody wrecked their vehicle. Right. And the back part of the vehicle got wrecked. The doors were fine. They wanted to just rewrap just the back end of the truck. Right. Well. I told them we couldn't do that because the wrap had already been on there for a year. Mm -hmm. So these inks that we use, yes, we use a protective laminate that, you know, protects everything from the sunlight, but being in the South, it fades a little bit. So right. I, there's no way I would be able to get my colors to match up exactly if I just went ahead and printed a brand new one. The same one. had been on there right. and been washed. What, what are they using to wash it? So right. those chemicals will affect the products in the end. Um, so yeah, we had to go ahead and just rewrap the whole half side of the vehicle. But wow. it's things like that people don't realize. They think it's just a quick solution, but it really takes time. Well, when we see the, I guess the physical labor piece of it mm -hmm. and how much science and math goes into it on the back end. And this has been a conversation I've had with meteorologists and with the criminal investigator. Like there's so much math and science that goes on the back end of the preparation or the planning stages that we as the general audience don't see. Right, There's the behind the scenes movement is insane. It is. Yeah. Um, so another thing, so you were talking about your, you spend like 90% of your job is online using technology. So walk me through how the, the design process goes, because our students here use the um, engineering design process. Mm -hmm. So it's very much that, you know, asking what's the problem, kind of like what you were yeah. saying and kind of do some research and then you've got to have that imaginative, that creativeness and then start the planning phase of it. So where does your planning and creating happen? Like, is this online or how does that process go for you? So I would say it's a combination, but mostly, you know, I hear and I really have to listen well mm -hmm. to what the client is needing. Right. And I need to know their colors. I need to know their inspirations. I need to know where they're coming from because my design, you know, what they're saying could look one way in my head. It's like the telephone game, mm -hmm. what you hear mm -hmm. versus what really they're saying. So they might not be the best communicator of what they want. Right. Um, I'm pretty good at fielding out those people. And sometimes I'm like, okay, could you just get on Google and tell me, show me, you know, email me a handful of right. items that you like. They don't have to even be related to what we're talking about, but just things you like. That way I can kind of see their vision and what their ideal right. you know, thing would be. Um, so once I have that kind of 
jumping off point. Then I go into my design program and I will create two to three different designs and um, send them pr preliminary prototype proofs. How do you like this proof? <laughs> yeah, right? yeah. Then we go ahead and then we start making some changes and really get into the nitty gritty of what they want and detail it down. And that's when I'm thinking about in our classes here outside of just the robotics class and outside of, you know, the fab lab, um, which I say is fabulous. But I see this envision of, you know, in our physics classes, in our math classes, even in our American studies, when, when they're thinking about things and going through this design process of building that prototype, it's important so that they can kind of see, is this really what we want? Is this what's right, what's wrong? You've got to kind of, in a sense, it would be like testing it to your audience. Like, is this what you want? What can we do to improve it and make it better so that you're happy with it? And you have to be open to suggestions mm. and you have to be willing to make changes mm -hmm. and you have to say, all right, that first idea, I loved it, but nobody else did. Let's scrap it. Let's start again. Let's sometimes you have to be bigger than yourself and ask for help or mm -hmm. ask for others opinion, you know, opinions or say, what would you do? Like, you know, this isn't really jiving or I need, you know, to work on this or. Is that know, hard when someone takes your creative idea and they're like, no. Yeah, sometimes it is, but sometimes you're, once you can get past your own ego, right? you can be like, oh, wow, you know, I've really learned a lot from this. Right. I, really, I can really expand. And then you just keep growing and, and building on that. So, so your, your whole day is science, math, engineering technology and yes. everyone always surprises me your big surprise for me was the science part like yes. i have not thought about how much science goes in behind everything mm -hmm. um but stem kind of drives it all but what i like about your position is really yours isn't stem focused it's steam focused with that art piece embedded into yes. it and really in any of this engineering process that creator side it has to come alive so really, even though it's STEM, it really is STEAM with that art piece embedded, which I, I find fascinating. So outside of everything we've already discussed, what is some other skills? If, if someone's interested in graphic design, um, you know, any of in, in that line of field, outside of what we've discussed, what are some other skills that you find are valuable for someone in your position? So I have ADHD. And this, I was, I was a late diagnosed ADHD. I didn't realize I had it till after, you know, I went through so many trials and everything. Right. And what I have found that really helps me and a lot of people in the creative brain have these kind of nuances is um, being organized. So okay. um, being organized and staying um on top of your things, even though I'm an artist, even though you'll see my desk throughout the day, it gets crazy stacks of clutter everywhere. Um, at the end of the day, I, I wrap it all up. I, I stack my stuff. I have it organized. I'm right. ready for the next day. I've, I've always done that. Um, and I'm also a big planner, which works with the organization. So yeah. I have, um, I've, I've started, you know, I've with day planners and being the school teacher I was and having the lesson plan books. Right. I've got planners going back to 1998, which oh my goodness. dates me. So, but, um, so I, I've kept them all. I'm, I'm still a big proponent of the handwritten ones. 
typically that's just because of the generation I grew up in. Right. But I've really migrated my business side of it to have, um, we use a program called ClickUp. So it is, and it can be, you you know, you can use ClickUp and, and turn it into your own, whatever, whatever you run for your business. Um, and I really like that. And that keeps us organized in every step because you need to know, um, are we in the design phase? Are we in, um, are we pending artwork approval? Um, has materials been ordered? Have, um, are we in the uh, production phase? Has the customer picked up the item? Have they paid? Have they invoiced? Have we estimated? All of that stuff. I like that. Um, so. so that's the, the organization, the planning is really big. Um, another big thing is, is market research. Mm. So not only knowing who your market is when you own your own business, but you need to know your product. So you need to know all the different products and components that are out there and what they're made of. And so it's, it's constant learning. Like I'm yeah. never, I've never stopped learning, which is kind of a cool thing. It is. <laughs> so, um, one thing that you said, and I, it's something I've been pondering on. I'm getting to throw this at you is, you know, you said you had ADHD mm -hmm. and I probably do too. Um, but, um, sometimes when we have those struggles and we learn about them, there's usually some kind of hidden superpower and strength oh, yeah. also. And obviously creativity is that hidden superpower. Yes. I'm just thankful you found it so that you're able to use that gift for everyone else. So I think having ADHD allows me to let my brain just go. Yeah. Like, it, it was hard for me as a kid to, uh, now I don't have a lot of the hyper Right. Part of it. Now, right. You know, right. Like, right. Like, my son has, and he's bouncing off the walls. But right. I am. Um, I'm more of the multitasker, and gotcha. that would be a great superpower. Um, it can hinder you in, at times, right. but also being able to have short-term focus bursts is really kind of neat. And and being creative is that I don't have any limits on this. Like, yeah. I don't get just stuck. And sometimes I do get hyper-focused on things, but. Um, really to be able to be like, oh, we could do this. Or what about, have you thought about doing this? Mm -hmm. um, I told you, you know, previously as we were walking around that touring the campus that I am almost finished my interior design degree. Right. So it's really neat for me when I go and I'm talking to certain clients and I, I focus more on like the commercial side of interior design. Right. I've done a lot of this for years, which um, churches and schools and hospitals I'll go into and they call me in to do these See, here we are in an ADHD moment of getting <laughs> sidetracked. I call them squirrels. Of, yeah, it kind of brings me back to what I was saying is that, um, you know, they'll call me in and say, hey, we want to do some interior signage or we want to do some floor wraps or a wall wrap. And I get to talking to them and I'm like, ooh, you know, we could do a, a really cool wall wrap up here and we could do some hanging signs. Mm -hmm. But then let's build some custom cabinetry and we can do all aspects a to z i can design it we can make everything custom we can install it like we do all of it and that is how i started changing my ways and being like i want to go into this commercial interior design mm. part of it more so than you know just making a sign or a billboard right and when i have this adh moment it's talking with the client and they're like hey let's not just stop here. Like we can really expand on this. And right. that's where, you know, it kind of helps me as a superpower is getting yeah. going in all these directions and thinking everything. Absolutely. So, well, I appreciate us or you coming in and talking with me. And like I said, it, someone always surprises me with something <laughs> I'm unexpected 
not expecting as far as what they do in their everyday because we don't see it. Um, but I really appreciate you coming in and sharing what you do with us. So I, like I have volunteered everyone else, I'm sure if I have an instructor or a student that's interested um, yes. in partnering with you, that you would be more than willing. I would love it. It takes me back to my teaching days. Yes. We are just down the road. We have a fab love of ourselves, our, you know, our own that is huge. So yes, that would be great. All righty. Well, thank you so much.